So your listeners and viewers may or may not know that I was diagnosed in 2018 with an incurable bone marrow cancer called multiple myeloma, very specifically IgA kappa light chain multiple myeloma with severe lytic lesions throughout my entire skeleton, meaning that my bones were so um, fragile they could break easily. My bones were literally looking like a person that had serious osteoporosis. And it was incurable, and I was given three to six months to live. So in September 2018, my oncologist said, three to six months to live, or you need to start chemo right away, and maybe we can prolong your life. But multiple myeloma will still kill you. You are listening to The Dr. Haley Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you optimize your health. Each episode, there will be an interview or a message to help you discover better health. We will be featuring health radicals on the show to bring new ideas to the table, as well as doubling down on key fundamentals to support you living your best life. Your host is no other than the founder of Haley Nutrition, Dr. Michael Haley. Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Haley, and this is The Dr. Haley Show. Today, I am meeting with Dr. Al Dannenberg, aka Dr. Al, as he's known by his friends, his patients, and community. He consults with patients all over the world using the power of the internet. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Al regarding animal-based nutrition, lifestyle, oral, and overall health, and the importance of a healthy gut and immune system. After a terminal cancer diagnosis, that's multiple myeloma, Dr. Al developed a plan that evolved into his unconventional cancer protocols, combining in-depth research of ancestral nutrition and lifestyle changes with his knowledge from 44 years as a periodontist. Now he focuses on helping others like you regain control of their health. Because even now, man, when I, Dr. Al, when I see you join, you know, you are full of life and vibrancy and happiness and just a gorgeous smile. I can already tell you're a magnetic personality, probably got a gazillion friends. No, come on. Not at all. I'm just a, I'm just a 75 year old, old guy doing my thing. That's all. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm so I'm so honored to have you on my show. And I already recorded an introduction, you know, highlighting a few of the things that that I think are relatable to my audience. Sure, sure. And, you know, I, I could tell we're going to hit it off. I, I'm just going to love everything you have to say here. So, well, thank you. I do have a tendency to have diarrhea of the mouth. So I may go on a tangent that is going way beyond what you even expected. So you guide me whatever way you want. If you ask me a question and I don't know, I'm going to tell you I don't know. That's all. That's what I do. That's a, a place of humility. It's awesome. I love it. I love it. And, you know, I, I am curious because in doing a little bit of uh, research and watching some of your content, you use a lot of the same words that I use. 
Well, this is good stuff. Things like, uh, for instance, you know, you talk about nutrient dense foods and, you know, with your um, history as a periodontist, I would imagine maybe you've learned or studied or, you know, maybe a little bit of Weston A. Price possibly. Oh, of course. But, you know, it's very interesting. Let me, this is a good tangent right now. In dental school, and I'm, and I would say that my dental training, although it was way back in the late 19. 60s, early 1970s, dentists never learned about Weston A. Price. The name never was part of our curriculum. His research, qualitative, whatever, his research never was discussed in dental school. That to me is not only amazing, it's sad. It's sad that that approach was never discussed, that observational data was never given the light of day in dental school. Now, just for the sake of those listening, uh, tell us a little bit about who Weston A. Price was and what time frame he was and and what he did. Yeah, uh, great time frame. I don't remember, but I do remember what what was it? The early 1900s. I can't exactly remember when it was. I think he was the president of the dental association that had its own name at that time at some point. And he decided for some reason, and unfortunately I don't remember the biography much, but he decided that there has to be a reason why people have healthy mouths and don't have healthy mouths. And he scoured the, the, the world actually to learn of indigenous people's eating off the land, and then their um, more westernized counterparts having serious dental issues, not just tooth decay or gum disease, but facial abnormalities and jaw abnormalities. And he basically came up with a variety of concepts that had to do with the healthy diet and the nutrients that were in the foods that these Pacific societies ate that allowed their bodies to heal well or to progress well or to develop well. Talking about from the date of birth, having babies breastfed and not given bottles and and then on and on and on. He also had a lot of information about uh, root canals and many other people following him had other information about how potentially harmful root canals were. Of course, in those days, when they did root canals, they were really bad. I mean, I'm not a proponent of root canals today, and we can go into that a little bit maybe, but in those days, the root canals were very, very archaic and and very unhealthy and, and mechanically could never be negotiated to the degree that they are today, but still today's root canals are highly questionable, especially in in abscess teeth where there are more than one root or the root is not completely straight. It has some kind of a angle to it in the bone. Weston A. Price was brilliant and his research literally paved the way for people to understand nutrition has so much to do to the development of the jaw and the other prevalence of tooth decay and gum disease. It wasn't discussed in dental school. 
you know, years later, there was someone that I admire, uh, Jordan Rubin, who was the founder of a company called The Garden of Life. And he had written a book called The Maker's Diet. And this kind of helped me tie things together when it came to people like Weston A. Price, who had a very strong foundation in understanding the traditional foods that people ate with regards to the area that they lived in and how it met their needs. And Jordan Rubin talked about looking at your diet from three perspectives. One being, well, now he was a Messianic Jew. So what was written in the scriptures was important. And, you know, somehow as we find out those things in the scriptures seem to match up with the next two criteria. So that other criteria, uh, tradition, and the third one being science. The example I like to use in the case of animal foods is, you know, beef is acceptable in a biblical diet, but traditionally cows were out in the pasture eating grass and scientifically grass-fed beef is higher in omega-3s and-, and Oh my uh, God, yes, of course. Now this brings us to our next topic. I know you had a recent history of, uh, of COVID. Yes. And I myself did too. What was your experience like? Because it kicked my butt. Well, you have to understand my medical condition to understand what COVID did to me and why it did what it did. So do you want me to give you a little bit of background about where I was? Absolutely. So your listeners and viewers may or may not know that I was diagnosed in 2018 with an incurable bone marrow cancer called multiple myeloma, very specifically IgA kappa light chain multiple myeloma with severe lytic lesions throughout my entire skeleton, meaning that my bones were so um, fragile they could break easily. My bones were literally looking like a person that had serious osteoporosis. And it was incurable, and I was given three to six months to live. So in September 2018, my oncologist said three to six months to live, or you need to start chemo right away, and maybe we can prolong your life. But multiple myeloma will still kill you. Basically, I rejected chemo. I created some of my unconventional cancer protocols to what I proposed was going to support my immune system, not cure my cancer, but support my immune system so that I could at least fight the fight that an immune system is designed to fight and not destroy my immune system with a bunch of artificial archaic chemicals, which would be chemo. Now, chemo is fine, I guess, for certain people that have a high success rate. Um, I'm not a proponent of putting anything into my body that's going to destroy my body. But certainly I had incurable disease. Chemo would not cure my cancer. So I got involved with these ways of um, living and eating that supported my immune system. And I did quite well. Uh, As a matter of fact, in 2019, a year or so after my, my diagnosis, I was still alive, but I had a serious accident you can call it an accident. I was standing in my bathroom, brushing and flossing my teeth, and I twisted to the left to throw my dental floss away. At that time, it was August of 2019, when I twisted about 90 degrees, I didn't realize how fragile my bones were. My right femur snapped in half. 
I crashed to the floor, broke several ribs and broke my right humerus in half. So I'm lying on the floor, literally um, in pain. And I'm screaming to, for my wife. And I knew it was pretty bad. And finally, you know, the emergency techs come and they take me to the hospital. And I thought I was ready to die. And I wanted to die. And as a matter of fact, they fixed my right femur and they put me into a hospice hospital to die. Interestingly, there was a hurricane coming through Charleston in September of 2019. And it was going to have a direct hit to the hospice hospital. All the patients had to be evacuated and they didn't know where to send me. My wife is an RN and they sent me home. My wife got a hospital bed and I was at home in hospice. But my wife gave me a little bit of tough love. She's a phenomenal, strong woman and really is my anchor. And she she basically said, look, let's get back on your unconventional cancer protocols. Let me get a physical therapist in. Let's see if we can get you out of this terrible funk and maybe you'll do better. And lo and behold, I did. And I got out of bed. I got a catheter finally out of my body, which was a terrible experience. And then within a month in October, I revoked hospice and went back to my oncologist who was amazed that I was alive. Now, all of this is a precursor to just telling you I have done a lot to improve my immune system. So in, I guess it would be June of 2021, I was taking an immunotherapy drug, which was not chemo, but it was supposed to support my immune system and kill some of the malignant plasma cells. And I had a very bad reaction to that and it weakened my immune system. And when it weakened my immune system, I got COVID. So the interesting thing is COVID just killed me. I never had a cough. Uh, I never had a fever. I never lost taste. Um, the upper respiratory issue I took care of with some inhalation of uh, oxygen peroxide. And then everything was good, but I had lingering lethargy and lots of achy muscles and that joint issues. But I never had to take any medicine. I never had to go to the hospital. And I attribute that to the immune system that I built up all along from the time my diagnosis. And, that, and that's my experience with COVID. Wow. Uh, there is a lot to unpack in that. And I want to go back to when you said you were on hospice. I, I, what year did you say that was? 2019. It was August of 2019, one year after I was diagnosed with this incurable bone marrow. And I think hospice, they kind of have a set of guidelines because you had already indicated that prior to that, you know, you were given three to six months based on your diagnosis. And then I think putting in the hospice system is, you know, also a short window of expectation. Right. And you used a term that I have never heard before. And you said, I revoked my hospice. I've never heard that. And I didn't know it was even a possibility. I didn't know it happens. Most people, 99% of the people that are in hospice are die in hospice. That is the process. Hospice is a phenomenal organization, by the way. It is independently run. So there are good hospice companies and there are not so good hospice companies, just like there are good nurses and bad nurses. So the, the, the hospice organization 
if you get into a good one, number one, you can't be admitted unless you have a diagnosis uh, or a prognosis of, I think, no more than a year to live. Sometimes it's only six months. And that's the prognosis. That doesn't mean that you have to die. But that's what the doctors say you're going to do. And therefore, you're eligible for hospice. So hospice is basically pain control. They control your pain so that you die comfortably. That's the whole idea. But they do a whole lot more. They also have social services to help you psychologically, to help your spouse psychologically. They have financial counseling if you don't have your finances in order. They have counseling and what to do with a cemetery or however you prepare, you're prepared to die. They do a lot for you along the way. But if you are doing well, your doctor can still allow you to stay in hospice, even though you don't die. Because if you still have this prognosis that is terminal, you're still eligible to continue with hospice. So what happened with me is I was terminal um, or, or at that point thinking I was certainly incurable. And that was the standards of our oncology department in, in the Western world. If you do things that are unconventional and it makes you healthier, then conventional oncology is surprised and you could get out of hospice. So I revoked hospice. And revoking hospice means that I'm now allowed to go back into medical treatment. When you're in hospice, you can't have medical treatment. So you can't have um, x-rays and you can't have medicines prescribed to you for curing a disease because hospice is only designed to take care of pain and doesn't allow the combination of normal medical treatment as well as pain control. So yes, I did revoke hospice. You know, that's the uh, best understanding I've ever gotten from a best explanation and you know, who better from than someone that's been through it and then out of it. So thank you for sharing. That is awesome. absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I guess you could say I've been to the edge of death and then come, have come back. Now, the other thing that, uh, that really excited me in, in your story so far was uh, hearing that ringside pep talk from your wife. Oh, my God. So <laughs> all I can tell you is she understands tough love. And if you see if you see a person giving tough love, you're not so sure they're giving you tough love or they're just badgering you and arguing with you. So my wife is a very strong individual and she basically said what the hell's going on al you know you did so well what are you giving in for don't become a victim if you're going to die okay but if you're not going to die yet let's fight so that's exactly what she helped me do and she she has helped me with bouts of depression i mean can you imagine yourself walking into a doctor's office thinking that you have a torn rotator cuff because your muscles are sore in your shoulder or whatever and all of a sudden all the lab work or the x-rays come back and says oh no you have 
a cancer that's going to kill you. I mean, all of a sudden, your life turns around, don't you think? Wow. Wow. Uh, amazing. Now, you have these protocols that you've developed, and I took a sneak peek already on your blog, drdannenberg.com. Um, I will have links below the video of this and I'll have the URL on the podcast. I can't hot link on the podcast or anything there, but all the content is going to be made available to everyone. And when you get an email, my followers, the links are going to be there to your blog. I want you to check out, especially the page of the uh, 11 unconventional cancer protocols. And what's really cool is I use a lot of these very same things. You don't have to have cancer to employ these things in your life and benefit from them. I want to talk about a few of them. And one of the things that you mentioned in when it came to food, animal foods, you nose to tail. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Surprise, I'm not in the plant-based world. Um, there is so much research with humans, not animals, humans that have severe chronic disease and cancers that are literally being cured in areas of the world that are not the United States per se, but for example, in Budapest, Hungary, the clinic called the Paleo Medicina Clinic, they have been in existence for maybe 11 or so years now. They have treated over 6,000 patients now, and they only treat severe chronic disease and various types of cancer, many of which are considered terminal or incurable. And they treat their patients with a very strict animal-based diet. They call it the Paleolithic ketogenic diet, which is 100% animal-based. And I'll explain those details to you in a moment. With no plants whatsoever, um, no supplements, and no prescription drugs. And they're getting results that will blow you away. And they report their case reports in various journals that are translated in English. And that is quite impressive. So nose to tail means, let's say you're eating a beef, cattle. Nose to tail would mean you're not just eating the muscle meat. You're not eating a ribeye steak um, every day and that's your diet. You may be eating a ribeye steak or ground beef or whatever, but you're eating all of the organs. You're eating the animal fat. You're eating the bone marrow. You're eating the cartilage from the, the throat of the cattle. You're eating all of the elements of the animal nose to tail. And those elements that are not just the muscle meat have the nutrients your body needs in bioavailable forms, in proper ratios. So there are no, I would say, basically there are all or almost all the nutrients a human needs to not only survive, but thrive are in these nutrients if you're eating the animal nose to tail. Now, the animal must be raised in a humane fashion stressed animals destroy their guts and their 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 animal fat just like stress destroys our bodies so they need to be raised humanely they need to be butchered humanely and they need to eat the foods that are natural for cattle to eat which is grass 
and those things that grow as grass, not grains, and certainly not be injected with hormones and antibiotics. So these animals are very clean, pastured animals that are raised in a humane way and slaughtered appropriately. And all of these nutrients make up the nose to tail. And that's where the body has received the nutrients it needs to build its immune system. And the immune system is the bottom line to health. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting. A lot of people would say, no, you need these um, these phytonutrients. Well, you know, what if I'm eating the things that ate the phytonutrients or I'm eating things that ate the things that ate the phytonutrients? You know, they are in there. The the lutein, the zeaxanthin, and those those phytochemicals, the things that give the 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 salmon its color are the plant nutrients. It's in there. The things that make that you know, dairy tinted yellow and, you know, give the meats their color. So we're getting the plant nutrients on an animal-based diet. So you're not really missing anything. Well, you're absolutely correct. And the point that's really critical to understand is that the plants are living structures that have the, the desire to propagate. So when plants need to propagate, they need to grow and not be destroyed or eaten or they would their species would 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 disappear from the earth so plants have innate chemicals in their leaves and their stems and their seeds they have inert they have these um chemicals that are destructive to certain animals that try to eat them so when humans eat these plants some of these elements called anti-nutrients can damage our gut microbiome without really understanding it. Now, if you ate spinach, you're not going to die from spinach in one day, but some of the anti-nutrients accumulate over time. And that's the big destructive fashion. But ruminant animals like cattle and beef have four stomachs. They eat these foods that maybe have anti-nutrients, but they have a system, a digestive system to destroy them. The human digestive system doesn't have the method to destroy them. But like you said, we get all the nutrient benefit in the animal-based nose-to-tail eating style without the anti-nutrients that are inherent in the plants that are there to protect the plants so they can propagate. Oh, well said. Thank you. I want to thank you for being on this health journey with us on the Dr. Haley show as we strive to make better, healthier choices in life and learn from some of the world's best experts as a thank you for your patronage. During the month of July 2022, when shopping at HaleyNutrition.com, use the coupon code FREEDOM when checking out F-R-E-E-D-O-M. FREEDOM will get you 7% off the cost of your purchase. Now, I do like some 
organ meats, for instance, um, you know, Braunschweiger would be like a mix of beef with uh, liver, but liver by itself might be a little tough for me. Where, where would you get your, I know the answer, I'm so cheap, it's on your blog, but where do you get your animal uh, yeah. nose to tail nutrients yeah, from? Th- there are only a few, I must tell you, that there are only a few organs that I like to eat. I will eat liver. I'm not big on beef liver, but I do like chicken liver. May not be the best liver, but it is a good liver. I do uh, not eat heart, spleen, kidney, but I do eat thymus every now and then. That would be the uh, sweetbreads, which is they're known by. But if you don't eat the organ itself, you can get the organs in desiccated forms. So it's very interesting to understand when you have a piece of liver, let's say you have a piece of liver in your hand, um, there, there's a lot of volume to that liver. But if you remove just the water, you only have a lot of powder left in your hands, not a whole lot. So that powder is desiccated liver. Now, I consider them as food. It's just that the water has been removed. I don't like to term them a supplement because in my mind, supplements are man-made, synthesized. They have added ingredients. They don't extract everything, only a particular element that they want to put into a supplement capsule or tablet. That's not what desiccated organs are. Desiccated organs are the actual, real, raw, healthy animal organ with nothing removed or added except the water. And it's encapsulated in a bovine cartilage capsule so that the the collagen in the capsule is very healthy and beneficial too. So it is all animal-based, no added ingredients, no other chemicals, no preservatives, nothing in it. And it's easy to take in a capsule form. Or you can open the capsule and pour the powder on other foods. So I just open the capsule. I might put it on my ground beef that I'm eating and eat it that way. Okay. Now, and I noticed that you have a link to your favorite source on your blog. So um, to the people that are hearing this and they want to find out more about it, go to Dr. Al's blog, you know, follow the link and uh, look there. You're going to see these 11 unconventional treatment protocols. Another one that I use is the PEMF map. Oh, yeah. And again, I noticed that you have a link to it and I followed it and it's like, oh, that's where we got ours from. So uh, tell us about that and how you use it. Pulse electromagnetic field therapy is fascinating. We are basically electrical beings. The reason we function is that we function because many, many frequencies are utilized by our cellular structure and our microbiome to communicate. We communicate chemically with different chemicals that cells produce and throw out to talk to other cells, but they also communicate with electrical frequencies. And electrical frequencies allow us to literally energize some parts of our body. For example, there are batteries in our cells. Every cell in our body, except maybe red blood cells, have these battery cells. They're called mitochondria. Some cells have two or 300 mitochondria per cell. Some cells that are working hard, like the heart, 
may have four or 5,000 mitochondria per cell. That's quite a bit as a big battery supply. But if those batteries are weakened, if the mitochondria is weakened, the, the, the cell doesn't function well, and that creates chronic disease and cancer. There are ways to re-energize those cells, just like you can get rechargeable batteries. You can put them in a charger, and all of a sudden, the battery becomes full-powered again. So pulsed electromagnetic field therapy has the potential to recharge the mitochondria as well as improve the cell membranes so that ions can move back and forth freely through that cell membrane with, um, well, putting good nutrients into the cell and removing some junk that has to come out of the cell. I get it. And I noticed that uh, you've mentioned you have three sessions a day sometimes, and, and the first two are different than the last one. Yeah, well, they, they are a little different because generally when I wake up in the morning, I would want a more energized type of frequency pattern. And then during the day, it could be similar. But when I go to sleep at night, I want to be more relaxed. So there is a, a frequency pattern that puts you in more of a parasympathetic mode to help rebuild your body and relax your body. So that's that. those are the three different elements that I use. You know, and that's actually the only frequency that I use at the end of the day. For me, you know, it's funny. In my life, I get to talk to people like you and I go around getting all charged up and I'm in this continuous sympathetic, you know, fight or flight, excited kind of state. And at the end of the day, I want to wind down and I'll set it for the longest cycle, which I, I forget if it's 30 minutes or... Uh, but I, I, I only make it about halfway through and then I, I'm, I'm done. I'm it's like, oh, I'm relaxed. I'm breathing. I'm in my you know parasympathetic, ready for bed state. And I absolutely love it. Well, it when I go to works. bed, the way I do it is, I, you know, the timer can automatically turn itself off. So I just set it for the time when I'm going to sleep and I may fall asleep and it's still on. And then it just turns itself off. I don't manually. Well, I don't have that that luxury. I'm sharing mine with my wife, so we have it on the lazy boy chair. <laughs> ah, I get you. I understand. So I actually have to get out and go, go to bed. But <laughs> I understand. Now we actually have a similar favorite source of probiotics. Um, you know, I recently had Dr. Tom Bain from uh, Mexico oh, sure. Probiotics on my show to help us understand the why behind the uh, soil spores. But you have an unconventional way of taking your, your probiotics and probably from a periodontist perspective, tell us about that. Well, I've spoken to Karan Krishnan, who's the chief microbiologist at Microbiome Labs, and um, he and I kind of agree this could be a good idea. This has never been tested, by the way, but it makes sense to me. The spores in Megasporbiotic, there are five different spores in that um, capsule. The spores have a tendency to attach themselves to biofilm. Well, biofilm in the mouth is actually dental plaque. And I it's another subject, but dental plaque is healthy until it's not healthy. You do not want to remove healthy dental plaque in your mouth. And I'll tell you again, 
Do not remove healthy dental plaque in your mouth. It is there for a purpose. We can go into that later. But it's interestingly, the spores would have the tendency to attach themselves to the dental plaque. So my thinking is, open the capsule, put the powder of the two capsules into a jar or cup or whatever you're going to drink from, put maybe a teaspoon or so of water in it, swish it around a little bit. It doesn't melt. It just makes the spores go into a suspension. And then swish it in your mouth. Swish it for about a minute, maybe even gargle it and then swallow it. What I am accepting the idea of is that these spores will attach to the dental plaque and may benefit the health of the bacteria in the dental plaque. There is, I would say, approximately 200, 300 different species of bacteria in dental plaque. Maybe it's beneficial. When you gargle, it may be also beneficial to coat the mucous membranes of your esophagus or or your throat as you're gargling. And then if you swallow it, you don't have to worry about the capsule trying to dissolve. It'll disperse immediately. They are resistant to the stomach acid. Immediately it goes into the small intestine and then eventually into the rest of the gut. So you're going to get all the benefit there. I am thinking that you will have a added dental benefit by swishing and gargling and swallowing rather than just swallowing the capsule. So that's what I do every night. And it kind of makes sense to me too, because if we think about the soil spores and how we got them originally in our diet, where we, you know, ate vegetables off the ground or whatever it was, you know, chances are, as we were, you know, eating things with these soil spores in them, they went in our mouth first. They weren't encapsulated, protected from our mouth. It makes sense to me. What else? And, you know, we're not, we we don't need to go through all 11 points uh, extensively. We'll be here for a while, but what on that page do you think is significant that people need to realize what's different? You know, Hey, come check out this page and, and get them and make sure that you're applying the things to your life that you should be. Well, certainly diet is critical. And you mentioned nutrient dense. Yes, you want to eat foods that have many, many nutrients per calorie of food. Basically, that's what nutrient density is all about. An animal-based diet fits the bill. An animal-based diet is not necessarily 100% animals. Uh, Different people need different things. I would say at least 70% of the foods that you're eating by volume should be animal-based. And then 30% or less may be plant-based, but remove all the plants that have high oxalates, lectins, and phytates, with the, which are the anti-nutrients, as I mentioned, um, which means remove the nuts, remove the seeds, remove most of the vegetables. Some of the fruits are okay. Raw honey is also very okay, depending on what glucose or carbohydrate amount that you want to eat. Because what I believe is that you want to be metabolically flexible, meaning that you're eating and staying in ketosis without much carbohydrates in your body so that you're a fat burner the majority of a week. And then for a couple of days, you will add many, many more carbohydrates, maybe from excess raw honey and or fruits to become um, a carb burner because you're want to fluctuate or or vacillate from um, uh, using the two basic fuels, which are carbohydrates and fat for energy. 
and other purposes in the body. That's the way our primal ancestors lived. And I think that's the way we should function. So the diet and the way you're eating is a critical element. And that also includes the water that you're drinking should not be just filtered water, which is this just dead water. You want to have water either from good natural springs that have many, many trace minerals, or you're able to add trace minerals into your water supply because those minerals are critical for overall health. All those electrolytes uh, are are essential for uh, for our health and hydration of the water. So that all is part of the diet. The other element, which I think is very, very critical, is to have a healthy gut microbiome, meaning that, of course, the microbiome the products from a mega microbiome labs like Megaspore Biotic will enhance the diversity of the gut microbiome. What that means is it will, in, it will improve the different species and number of species that grow in your gut of bacteria that will crowd out the bad bacteria so that they are not becoming um, pathogenic. That in and of itself is critical, but also the lining of the gut must be intact, meaning that you don't have a leaky gut. And if you do have a leaky gut, that needs to be repaired. So the diet is critical and the healthy gut is critical. So those two are probably two of the most important elements that I put in these protocols that I've created. Yeah, and it's interesting as you talk about that, knowing that you come from an animal-based perspective, um, I've always tried to help people heal their guts first and foremost for strengthening their immune system and having you know just the strongest. You know, when it comes to to, to, to strength and and life and and who's the most fit, I think of survival of the fittest and who would survive in the wild and you know what would that strength and endurance and you know how would your fight or flight system you know operate um animal foods are going to be a definite uh, part of that and in those you know the cartilages and all those glucosamines and chondroitins not only the things that are good for our joints and being anti uh, arthritic you know but also a very gut healing you know, I am curious when you talked about your uh, water, I read somewhere about the molecular hydrogen. Um, are you using the Paul Barataro? He's um, Echo Water. No, I am using um, high, uh, HRW, drink, let's see, hydrogen rich water, HRW. Yeah, drink hydrogen rich water. Boy, molecular hydrogen is amazing. The research goes back over 15 years. Now, the molecular hydrogen that is clinically effective and efficacious needs to be in a high dose and not continuous. So you're not drinking hydrogen, molecular hydrogen water all day long. You're drinking it in a big gulp, maybe in the morning and another big gulp, you know, at the right dosage in the afternoon. The research su suggests that it is a phenomenal discriminant antioxidant and anti-inflammatory agent. Hydrogen is used in almost every metabolic pathway in our body. Very, very critical. And that hydrogen does quite a number of things, but it is a discriminant antioxidant, which means it neutralizes free radicals that are damaging to the body especially the hydroxyl free radical and not 
neutralizing the free radicals that a body requires to kill off bacteria and do other things. Unfortunately, most antioxidants that you take in supplements, which I'm not fond of, like vitamin C and vitamin E, are indiscriminate antioxidants. They neutralize free radicals, not only the bad ones, but the good ones. You can take too much of these. They can create other problems in the body. If you were a healthy guy, which I'm not, you know, I got cancer, I get it. But if you were a very, very healthy guy or gal and you took molecular hydrogen, it wouldn't do anything for you. But if you have other chronic issues that you may or may not be aware of, it can do some phenomenal things. So I am a big proponent of molecular hydrogen. All right, here's a couple, uh, I think be interesting questions and maybe a little tough too. Tell me about quality of life versus extended life. Ah, so this is what I base my survival on. I have no interest in longevity. Oh, everybody says we want to live to 120. I don't know. My only interest is quality of life. So what is quality of life? It means that you and I can talk freely and 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 comfortably via Zoom with a clarity of mind. I can think well. I can function well. I see, think that I can speak well and I can enjoy what we're doing. My quality of life would be decreased if I could not raise my hand or head. If I was in such pain that I was being groggy all day long because of narcotics. If my body was deteriorating, that I had to be in a wheelchair. Now, I'm not saying these are bad things. This is a decrease in quality of life. My goal is to maintain the highest quality of life that I can. I have. I'm, I have, I'm doing a lot of stuff, but I could die tomorrow. So my, my cancer is such that I will die from multiple myeloma, but I am not going to give into multiple myeloma. When the time comes for my organ systems to, to break down, to stop, to not function properly, I'm ready for that. But I am not going to allow that to happen if I can do things to enhance that quality of life. And I believe the secret to that is to maintain as best or as robust of, of an immune system as I can for my condition. And that's where I am. Now, yeah, and as you're saying this, you know, I'm also remembering seeing a link on your page. People can actually schedule to have a meeting with you and help you coach through. And that is on your blog. There's a, a schedule opportunity and, and you are every bit capable as we're having this meeting right, right now. And I'm available and I do 12 week coaching programs with people all over the world now, which is quite amazing. And, you know, it kind of tickles me that I am able to do that, but I have information that seems to be so unique. I, I only connect the dots. Everything that I do has not necessarily been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, but I ha do use a lot of dots that have been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. And when I connect them, they make sense to me. And I have the broad view of 
if it was good, if it was efficient for our primal ancestors to get to where they have been and, and, and our primal ancestors, we are the result of that. If we have that ability, we don't want to change that and say, I have something better. Our DNA, our creator has created us with certain abilities if we only give our body what it needs, but never, never give it what it doesn't need. And hopefully you can avoid those things. So this is all based on the quality of life and my ability to kind of put it together. That's beautiful. Um, You've authored some books. Yes. And you've created your blog. What's your most important piece of work that you've accomplished uh, so far? Well, I wrote The Better Belly Blueprint, which is a a very short ebook right now that is basically a animal-based diet, 70% animal-based foods, 30% plant-based foods to provide and support a strong immune system. But I have another book that's coming out that's called um, Eat As If Your Life Depends On It, which actually is going to summarize the reason why we as humans have evolved to where we are. And my concept of metabolic flexibility being to be able to be a fat burner as well as a carb burner and support my immune system along the, those lines. So uh, those are exciting. There are other things that I've written that are there, but you know, the, the whole thing, I have so many topics that I write about. It's all on my blogs that are free. I mean, you can download any blog that you want, just search for a word and um, any blogs that I write about those topics will pop up. Now, I, I think your answer to this next question is going to uh, strike a chord with a lot of people because they haven't gotten to this point yet. So if you look back in your, uh, well, let's, in your life, going back as far back as you want, um, I know that you've made some changes along the way. What do you wish you did differently? Wow. When you're 75 years old, there may be a few things that you wanted to do differently. The interesting thing is, I believe that I have multiple myeloma from the exposure of two very, very toxic elements in my dental training. So I'm in dental school for four years and two years, graduate school after that for a specialty of periodontics, which is gum disease. We were exposed, dentists were exposed, and there are papers that have been written about this. We were exposed to low-dose ionizing radiation continuously. Low-dose ionizing radiation are dental x-rays. Now, dental x-rays are not the problem if you go to a dentist every so often to see what's going on in your mouth. But if you're a dental student and you're around x-ray machines that are going on and off and you're not protected about from the radiation, you're exposed thousands and thousands of times greater than anybody else would be exposed. And it has been shown that this continuous low-dose ionizing radiation exposure can cause one plasma cell to become malignant. Now, my disease is a disease of malignant plasma cells. If I have one plasma cell that becomes malignant and my immune system, for whatever reason, doesn't kill it off, or that cell doesn't kill itself off by a a process called apoptosis, that cell 
can then become, can start to multiply and become a disease that manifests decades later. And that's what I have, multiple myeloma, four to 40 plus years after dental school. The other toxic element is free mercury. In dental school, we played with free mercury in our hands, like kids play with Play-Doh. And the free mercury is highly toxic. It's an element that's used in dental amalgams that I don't recommend for anybody to have in their mouths because of free mercury, but I'm exposed to it all the time. So free mercury and or this constant radiation exposure, uh, low-dose ionizing radiation exposure, could have caused my cancer. What I would have done differently? Well, I guess I would not have gone to dental school because all dental schools did what I was exposed to. Uh, that's the only thing that I would eliminate from my life. Everything else, I don't have any regrets. I mean, I've made some terrible decisions in life, but we all have. But the interesting thing is, if you make some bad decisions, but you learn from them, the 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 product of that is a better you. And I think that I'm learning from cancer tremendously. I think I'm a better person with much, much more knowledge today than I was when I was diagnosed in 2018. So, you know, there are downsides to everything. Anybody listening that has a terminal illness or a severe medical condition, I will tell them that even how bad it is, you can do something to improve it mentally, biologically, physically. There are different things you can do to, to, to weather the storm but still understand and don't be in denial, but understand this is maybe something that's predestined. And I do have a very strong spiritual feeling. I don't, I'm not religious, but I have a strong spiritual feeling in our soul. And we can get into that in a very long discussion if you wanted sometime. That's beautiful. What, what would you like to most be remembered for someday? I would like to be remembered for the, helping people understand that there is hope in whatever they're doing. If they're not doing well physically, mentally, you can improve your situation. And and I would like to be remembered as a person that was strong enough to convince people to be resilient and have faith in what they do and maybe faith in a higher being that is there to guide them. Yeah. You know, and seeing you today and seeing your energy and the life that's in you and the, the joy in your eyes and the smile on your face. Um, it is a beautiful thing. And you're taking that, that challenge in your life and using it to help others. So what a beautiful thing. Thank you. You could have just, you know, given up and said, it's not worth it. And, 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 you know, wrote hospice out years ago. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for being on my show. Thanks for, for the opportunity. For I all the listeners, um, again, look for links below the video, look for uh, links below the, in the podcast description, check out drdannenberg.com to get more great information from Dr. Al. I'll specifically link to your 11 um, unconventional cancer protocols. Some of the things that we talked about, the PEMF, 
the organ supplements and you know there's links to all of those sources on your blog uh, and they're the very same things that I use in my life most of them I have to learn I have to finish that page out and learn from others so um, thank you for even putting that together for us thank you thanks again for the opportunity take care I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Dr. Haley show Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot, and share this exact episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode on www.drhaley.com. If you want to geek out with Dr. Michael Haley on other radical health topics, be sure to check out his YouTube channel where he posts exclusive video content. All the details are at www.drhaley.com and we can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.